0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from WISE, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With WISE, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how WISE could work for you at WISE.com.
1: Today on The State of Ukraine, what American military support looks like on the ground. I'm Greg Dixon. American military support has been crucial to Ukraine throughout the war. Think Javelin missiles and HIMARS rockets and much more. This kind of support is a key component of the recent offensive against Russia now underway. NPR's Greg Myrie is in Ukraine and he recently had the opportunity to see what US support looks like on the ground and he joins me. Hi Greg. Hi Greg. So you recently visited some Ukrainian military units. Um, tell me where you went and what you saw.
0: Yeah, I went to several places. Uh, one of them was uh, outside Kyiv a little bit. They don't want us, that they being the Ukrainian military, doesn't want us to be too specific about this. But we were outside the city a little bit. And this one place was particularly striking. It involves Ukraine's air defenses which have really been incredibly effective and and really outperformed what, what many people expected because Russia has this big, powerful air force and Ukraine doesn't. But Ukraine has denied Russia air superiority. And so I'm in this... Hayfield outside of Kiev. It's sort of a classic Ukrainian setting. There's a sunburned guy. He's using a pitchfork to gather hay out here. And in the middle of all this, there are two Ukrainian soldiers. And they're in an American-made Humvee. And on the back of that Humvee is a Stinger missile system that's been mounted there. Now, they are the first line of defense against Russian missiles and drones uh, which are really a constant threat. They're, they're, they can strike any time of day, and Ukraine has these small mobile units out there, uh, spaced out every every few miles or so, uh, to protect against this just this relentless Russian threat.
1: Well, that's interesting. So a U.S. Uh, vehicle with a U.S. weapon on the back of it, and that's what's defending Kiev. Did they tell you what? what it's like when an incoming attack uh, happens?
0: Yeah, they did. They were very open about it. Now, Russia usually attacks at night. um, So these Ukrainian air defense teams really routinely work through the night. They sleep whenever they can. They say they grab an hour of sleep here, an hour there. And they're all connected to this air defense network. So they will get an alert that a Russian missile or drone is coming, often at two or three in the morning. And they say they have seven minutes to get ready, and they protect an area about six miles wide. So if the missile or drone is coming into their zone, then they would be expected to, to, to deal with that. Now, if they do fire one of those stingers, that gives away their position to the Russians. So they have to leave immediately. And and this is a tactic that's called shoot and scoot. Um, Mm -hmm. And they say they try to leave in two minutes and go somewhere else so that the Russians can't find them. And and this is part of a layered defense system. This is the first layer. And then there's a Mm. second layer. And then there's... Even a, a third layer in, in Kiev itself, which involves more American systems, uh, like the Patriot missile system and NASAMs, which are used to, to protect the White House and other key buildings in Washington. So the, the stingers that we saw out there, this is a technology that dates way back to, to the 1980s, but the Ukrainians are also getting very cutting edge stuff. And Ukraine now says it's taking out about 90 percent of Russian missiles and drones. And in the capital key, that percentage is even higher than that.
1: Wow. So these multiple layers of air defenses that you're describing, it sounds from what you've said that, you know, U.S. uh, equipment is crucial at every layer. Oh, absolutely critical. No doubt about it. So you also got a chance to um, to see something we we don't hear much about, which is the Ukrainian Navy. Will Will you tell me about that?
0: Yeah, sure. You know, we don't hear a lot about Ukraine's navy because they really don't have much of a navy right now. Um, Russia wiped out a lot of Ukraine's navy, either sank boats or confiscated boats, way back when they first invaded in 2014. And Russia still controls the Black Sea off the southern coast of Ukraine. So really, for almost a decade now, Ukraine really hasn't uh, been a force at sea. But Ukraine still controls most of the Dnipro River, which is this big, broad river that runs the entire uh, length of the country north to south. And to help Ukraine maintain control of the river, the United States last year started sending these patrol boats. They're called Dauntless Sea Arc boats, uh, about 34 feet long. They're very fast and maneuverable. They have machine guns mounted on them. Now, you may recall, Greg, back at the start of the war, Russia was approaching the capital Kiev, and Ukraine didn't have this force on the river at that time and says it really it really needed that. If if Russia is trying to to attack a city and it's it's crossing a river or close to a river, this would have been very valuable to have this. So now they say they're they're much better positioned to protect Kiev and other cities along this the main river in the country. Now it's not a full fledged Navy in any sense. But it is an attempt by Ukraine to rebuild their navy while the war is still going on.
1: I'm picturing like sort of Vietnam era swift boats uh, when you describe that. Is that sort of what, it, what it's like, what these boats are like?
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it really is, Greg. Um, you know, again, just a little over 30 feet long machine guns, sort of front and back space for about a crew of uh, five, six people. Uh, not big at all, but they, they are fast. They are maneuverable. And uh, Ukraine could use them for any number of things. They could use them for transporting small numbers of troops across the river. In some cases, they're even trying to, to shoot down drones. Russia is apparently sending drones uh, low above the above the river. So they're trying to, to help out with that as well. So there's any number of roles uh, they could play. But that analogy to Vietnam era uh, river patrol boats is is very apt. Yeah
1: so greg, this is this is really a ground war. We've been talking about um, the air defenses, but that Ukraine doesn't have um, much of an air force. So you've just said how they don't have much of a navy. So, what is the force protection for the ground forces like, and and how does U.S. equipment play into that?
0: Right. So it, it, uh, the U.S. equipment is going to be very, very crucial here as well. And I was able to go to a training ground uh, outside Kiev, and one of the things I saw was a, a big hulking vehicle known as an MRAP. Uh, again, an American-made vehicle. It it carries troops, and it's it sort of— superpower, if you will, is that it's resistant to mines. And this is going to be very, very important because Russia has heavily mined the southeast of the country Exactly the area that Ukraine is, is trying to retake now with its offensive. So this vehicle could be particularly valuable as, as Ukrainian ground forces try to make their way through minefields. And we're hearing a lot about this, how heavily the Russians have, have mined the area and how hard it is for the Ukrainians to get through. So this is going to be one of the biggest challenges, uh, facing Ukraine as it, as it tries to press its offensive.
1: So, in all these spheres that you that you've recently visited, um, you're painting a picture where U.S. equipment is crucial to the Ukrainian forces. I understand, you know, you're going there as a U.S. reporter, and and the forces that you're visiting know that. But how are they characterizing U.S. and Western assistance um, to you when you talk
0: to them? You know, they're they're very grateful. They they are effusively thankful to the United States for all the support they've been getting. They say that's gonna be this is going to make a big difference. And in fact Ukraine seemed to be waiting to get a lot of this equipment and to train on it before launching this offensive that we're now seeing. Uh, through most of the first Sixteen months of the war, not all of it, but most of it, Ukraine has been doing mostly defensive operations, and it's always harder to do off offensive operations. You just you need more firepower, um, and and you see already images of this on the front lines where the Ukrainians are using Western tanks and armored personnel carriers that they didn't have a few months ago. Again, a lot of it from the U.S., but but a good deal from other NATO countries as well. But will it be enough? I mean, that's that's the real big question here: um, The Ukrainians still want more. We've we've seen them ask repeatedly for F sixteen fighter planes, and now they've been promised, but they probably won't have them in, until next year. Um, there is a sense that Ukraine needs to do something with all this Western equipment that they've got. They need to show that it will make a difference in the war. If it doesn't, if this uh if this offensive falls flat, then it could lead some countries to to rethink their support of Ukraine and say, hey, we've given you uh, as much as we can, and, and you haven't been able to to take more territory. So I think that it will be a critical question whether this Western equipment can make a difference. Right.
1: Can you just give us a quick update on how it seems the Ukrainian offensive is going? In a word,
0: slowly the ukrainians are still pushing the offensive but it seems at a relatively low level there's even some talk not confirmed not official but they're then almost in a bit of a pause mode as they try to assess russia's defensive after a couple weeks of this operation so something like that is is not unexpected but it does point to the 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 notion that this is not going to be easy there's no clear easy way ahead Everything the Ukrainians try to take will be contested by the Russians who are very much dug in. The Ukrainians say they've taken back eight villages in the southeast and advanced a few miles, but they haven't had any major breakthroughs. They haven't taken any towns or cities. Um, They would like to get all the way to the southeast coast to cut the Russian forces in two, but they're at least 60 miles away from the coast. So that's not going to happen soon, especially the way that the Russian forces are dug in with all these minefields
1: and trenches. Sounds like we're going to be hearing about this... um... For a long time, it's not going to be a quick affair.
0: A- absolutely, Greg. The expectation is the fighting is, is going to last certainly for many weeks, probably for, for several months.
1: Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg. It's NPR's Greg Myrie in Kiev. Thanks for listening to the State of Ukraine from NPR News. Please come back for more on the war and its impacts around the world. Support for NPR and the following message come from Satva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit dot TVA.com slash NPR and save an additional $200. This message comes from NPR sponsor Betterment. The emotional build of a will they won't they love story is never chill, but your investing portfolio should be. Betterment is the investing app that lets you be totally chill about your finances. Their automated technology and tax-smart tools are easy to set up, so you can focus on navigating any will-they-won't-they-love stories that come your way. Betterment. Be invested and totally chill. Learn more at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed.
0: On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we have very important people on our show and then ask them about very unimportant things. Here's U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Uh, We are also reliably informed... That among your enthusiasms, in addition to a macroeconomic policy, is mobile games.
1: Uh, there is some truth in that.
0: There's some truth in that. Join us for the NPR podcast that considers all the other things. That's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me.